0: But we bet you'll like them. I'm back in the saddle again. Pop,
1: pop, it's showtime. Showtime, showtime, showtime. Guess who's back again?
0: Checking in from the right side of Acadiana. Seeking truth. justice somebody ought to belt you in the mouth yeah. and a whole lot of freedom to have fun
2: winning winning winning
0: yeah. behave this is the rush report
1: what has happened down here is the winner change I was rolling in from the north and it started to rain Rained real hard to rain for a real long time Six feet of water in the streets of Evangeline mm-hmm. All right, it's we'll Louisiana so we had to be talking to Scott McKay. Got so much going on, Scott. And if, you know, Hunter Thompson was a gonzo journalist, I would say Scott McKay is Louisiana's a gonzo political observer because he, he takes no prisoners and he doesn't hold back. Scott McKay, welcome back to the Ross Report.
2: Well, thanks. I'm 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 not as uh uh susceptible to uh irresponsible gunplay as Hunter S. Thompson, but then or, again, I'm willing to learn. So Or uh,
1: drugs. <laughs> well, now you can actually with the new constitutional carry law. Well, we can there, there
2: is that. Right. And and I, I regard that as as definite progress. That, I do that too. means you're a, a typical Louisiana citizen is a harder target or at least about to be, than uh, than we've been. So well, let's hope so. Maybe some would-be carjackers will find that out fairly soon.
1: All right, Scott, were you as disappointed as the rest of us at the, the, the mishmash mess of uh, cl- the closed, care, <laughs> closed primary uh, legislation? I mean, so watered down and so... <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's uh, it's it's definitely a disappointment. uh, You know what they what they came up with last session. That having been said, you know, this train uh, might still uh, make a trip. And the one thing that it did do uh, was that when we have a Senate race in twenty twenty six, you know, we have the right. Environment for conservatives to challenge and beat Bill Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, I mean, we've got 2020, all the way to 2027, before we're going to do something with legislators uh, and, and things like that. And I think that that's certainly important that we handle. Uh, but the big thing was, you know, we didn't need Bill Cassidy running in a jungle primary. Um, which, you know, Bill Cassidy had made a big deal about the necessity of holding on to the jungle primary for his own purposes. Yeah, you bet. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, he didn't get what he wanted, which is a good thing, because yeah. I think there are some potentially really good candidates that would get in against Cassidy, and I think in a Republican primary would totally Uh, uh, I I think it would beat him pretty badly. All right. So
1: so now that we're on that, who do you think is is a likely challenger? Well,
2: I I mean, you know, I I don't know if Blake Niguez is ready to do that uh, or if Blake would rather be, uh, you know, governor after Jeff Landry. Um, But Blake is a guy. Alan Seabaugh is a guy. Uh, Eric Skirmetta is a guy. Mm -hmm. Clay Higgins is a guy. I mean, there are a lot of pretty good conservative candidates that, that could get in against Cassidy. And in, in a Republican primary, any one of those guys I would expect would beat Cassidy pretty badly. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think this thing sets us up for a definitively uh, better uh, senator after 2026. And so, like, I, you know, I, I'm not satisfied with what was done on the closed primary thing, but I will say that, um, you know, including federal races uh, and making it a, a legit party primary, I think, works.
1: Okay. Well, and, I agree and with it, so, you. Too.
2: So it's, it may be an in, in, uh, uh, insufficient victory, but it is a victory.
1: You think it's incremental? You think we'll get the rest of it eventually?
2: Well, I mean, I you know we might, we'll see. Mm. I I certainly think that it's something people who want to see closed primaries in Louisiana should work on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think we should give up uh the um you know, give up the fight here. I mean, I think we should continue to advocate for a full party primary uh situation uh in everything from the state legislature up Um, you know, I I don't know that you can get it done, uh, with local elections. And to some extent, it would be certainly a good thing. I mean, I think your mayor's race in Lafayette is a classic example of how local races need to be party primaries as well. Because you had, you know, Kathleen Blanco's daughter, who is nobody's Republican. You know, runs as a Republican because she couldn't possibly win that race as a Democrat. And yet, you know, she doesn't have any Republican sentimentality to her. Mm -hmm. You know, she's a Democrat.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. That's my feeling exactly. Now, look on the, on the, uh, Cassidy, Cassidy's going around right now. He just spoke to the, the uh, Kiwanis Club here in Lafayette and touted how he brought all of this infrastructure stuff back to Louisiana. And he loves carbon capture and he's doing all the, you know, all the garbage that was, uh, w- that was implanted, I should say, in that infrastructure bill. Uh, so he's going around telling everybody, you know, what a great job he's done. And people are pretty polite, but you know, it just, I, I can tell you, it just it does not sit right with people.
2: Well, I, I mean, the thing about Bill Cassidy is that he is utterly and completely out of touch with the people of Louisiana. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
2: Yes. I mean, I, like, it, it's comical how out of touch Cassidy is at this point. I mean, the, you know, the other day he, he popped off about how, you know, uh, it's expensive to send national guardsmen from louisiana to the border right yes. you know like oh i'm for i'm fiscally conservative and i don't want this yeah, money right. spent it's like <laughs> are you kidding like are you absolutely completely mental like first yeah, of all is. it's not a lot of money second of all you voted for Biden's infrastructure package, which is the biggest waste of money in the history of America.
1: Yeah, it's a green scam, like, and everybody you know, knows like,
2: it. Yeah, like you, you don't get to talk about fiscal conservatism at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you disqualified yourself a couple of years ago, where that, where that's concerned. And third of all, oh by the way, stopping these migrants from coming here and soaking up welfare money from from uh, the American taxpayer. Okay, that's money well spent. Scott, do you see any Not that Bill Cassidy would know. No. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, this whole thing has been really bizarre to watch.
1: We know that about Cassidy. But I tell you, I've been keeping an eye on Kennedy since 2021. When he was going to pair with Amy Klobuchar on, of all things, protecting journalism, the protecting local journalism. I'm thinking uh, there hasn't been local journalism in forever. Not objective journalism. Uh, It has been it has been awful. So why would you send a lot of money? Not even local. It's just protecting journalism. That's what it was. Why would you send a lot of money to people who have been trashing conservatives for decades to the mainstream media? That's I could not believe that. That was in 2021, and he was one of the major co-sponsors with Amy Klobuchar. So I've been keeping an eye on Kennedy since then. I'm kind of disappointed. Then he voted for this Ukraine thing with no money for the border.
2: And I really want to be a fan of John Kennedy. I've known him a while. I think he's generally a good guy. But, you know, I am off the John Kennedy bandwagon after that Ukraine vote because that uh, that was – I, just indefensible. Is he getting um,
1: infected with the Mitch McConnell uh, disease?
2: Well, I, you know, I, and I think it's one of those, you know, he, he figured the bill was going to pass. So, you know, why get in uh, uh, arrears with Mitch McConnell and uh, disrupt the amount of swag that you can bring in?
1: Well, that's um, what we want them to do. We want them to be in, in, at odds with Mitch McConnell. He's awful. He's got to go.
2: Well, I, you know, my point is, is like, it's a free vote because I mean, the thing ended up having 67 votes. <sighs> so, you know, the majority of the Republicans in the, in the Senate didn't vote for it. So, uh, you know, like, why not vote against it? Tell Mitch's office, hey, I'm doing this because my voters want me to do it. Uh, you know, I'm not costing you anything, but I'm going to look good in front of my people. Right? I mean, well, that's that's, just, that, that, that is how a lot of this works. Well, yeah. So why would you choose Washington over Louisiana? Because but, people in Louisiana have nothing against the folks in Ukraine. We're not all, you know, Vladimir Putin puppets. Okay? But $60 <laughs> billion dollars for a war effort that everybody recognizes at this point. Can, you know, is that is best going to end in a stalemate yep. as opposed to, hey, it's time to go to the peace table and finish this thing.
1: But if you right? saw Zelensky last night on with Brett Bear, he he would not when when Brett Bear specifically asked him that question, he would not even answer it. He would not answer. Well,
2: he's, he's not the guy making the decision. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, this is, you know, you have to go to the White House for those decisions. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, the only way that you can pressure Joe Biden into going to the peace table and getting this thing off, uh, out of our hair, so that we can focus on other things, okay, is cut the money off. Mm-hmm and say, hey, you are not going to be able to keep this laundry running. You are going to have to get this thing over with uh, because we're not funding any more of it. So, you know, send what diplomats you have to the peace table, okay, and and get the best deal for the Ukrainians you can, but it's over. And the fact of the matter was, the Russians were always going to get the Donbass and they had already gotten Crimea. Okay? So anything other than that, all right, it's not all that bad a deal. As it turns out, the people of Crimea had a, um, a, 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 plebiscite, a plebiscite a few years so ago the and voted to be
1: part of Russia. Correct, Amundo. Donbass did also, and all those areas, Donbass, Luh- Luh- uh, Luhansk, Donetsk, uh, and Crimea, all Speak Russian as their primary language. If that's exactly. not the foundation of a culture, I don't know what is. So you're well, right. Well, I mean, that, yeah, exactly. And so here we are, we're
2: trying to impose something hmm. on the locals that they don't want, that we don't have the. I, with, you know, it's not in our national interest to impose it. The, the military means to create this new reality that we want are not there unless we send our troops in, which the American people will never, ever. Tolerate. You know, maybe okay. I'm too,
1: Scott, maybe I'm too cynical, but I think it's, they're gonna keep it going as long as, because what it is, is basically, you know, the, the thing, the meme, the Dr. Evil, we're now gonna call all, uh, money laundering foreign aid because that's basically what it is we throw more money at them it comes back into this country to the defense contractors the defense contractors kick back big contributions to to the legislators who voted to give the foreign aid you see what I'm saying, I mean it's a never ending cycle, Look, we gotta take it, a break it, can we come back and talk yeah, more about this uh, we, we're gonna sure. take a break on the Ross mm-hmm. Pro we'll be right back with Scott McKay of the Hayrod doing some gonzo observations of our crazy countryside Date, everything. Oh, my gosh. We'll be right back. Another the dust. you. So welcome back to the Ross Report. We have Scott McKay with Hayride on the line with us. You wrote a really scathing article and the headline was, right now, neither one of Louisiana senators deserve reelection. So we talked about Cassidy. Uh, talk a little bit more about Kennedy because uh, this, I think this was a surprise to a lot of people. Um, and you're so right. You were, you were getting, making the point that he could have told Mitch, Hey, Mitch, look, I've got to vote. The other way, it's go- it's not going to be good for me. I'm known as a strong conservative. Just give me a pass on this one because you have the votes. Why would he vote for this? The-
2: I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I this is you know, the number one thing is this. If I'm John Kennedy, my my allegiance has got to be to Mike Johnson and not Mitch McConnell right um I mean I you know plain and simple uh, and that's that's true of Cassidy as well but like like we said in the last segment Bill Cassidy' is so out of touch you can't even uh, you can't even have those expectations but <laughs> if you're Kennedy and Mike Johnson is the guy who is uh, the leader of your Delegation in Louisiana at this point, point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Johnson has taken the position as the Speaker of the House that look, we're not going to do Ukraine until we do something about the border, and you guys have been stolen stonewalling us on the border while you pack in, you know Chinese military age male uh, nationals and you know other illegals from you know unvetted places until that stuff is put a stop to, there will be nothing else from a foreign policy, you know, aid standpoint.
1: Scott, you're making a great point because really Mike Johnson needs as much support as he can get. Here are two Louisiana senators and Mike Johnson's leading the charge on the other side. Right. Why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they support him? Both of them.
2: Well, and the thing is, is that Mike Johnson is representative of, the people of Louisiana, okay? The folks that made John Kennedy and Bill Cassidy senators do not want to blow money out the door to Ukraine and do nothing about the border, okay? Now, these two guys both voted against that horrendous... Uh, Democrat bill that uh, Mitch McConnell signed on to that they couldn't even pass out of the Senate. Okay? They they both... Give Cassidy and and Kennedy both credit that they didn't get on board on that thing. Okay? So that was good. But then they... Then Schumer and McConnell turn around and they're just going to fund Ukraine and both sides of the Gaza War and all this and do nothing about the budget. In other words, that's worse. And if you wouldn't vote for... You know the horrendous budget bill. Then why on earth would you vote for the Ukraine thing that does nothing about the border? Like that, you totally undercut the Republican position. Exactly. Unless you think the Republican position is Mitch McConnell's, in which case my answer is go and look who the least popular politician in Washington D.C. is. It's not Joe Biden. It's not Chuck Schumer. It's not Ilhan Omar or AOC. It's Mitch McConnell. Yep. So if that's who you want to throw in with. Well, I don't have much use for you as, a, as, as one of my senators. You know, like I look forward to the day that we have other people in the Senate who are a little bit more in touch with the voters of Louisiana. And I'm sad that I'm saying this about Kennedy. I mean, I take delight in saying it about Cassidy because he's proven himself as a joke. But, you know, Kennedy's going to have to start doing a lot better
1: uh he really is uh he's made a couple of questionable votes recently now he you know he he plays a good game he play, and i've noticed lately i don't know if you've noticed because he was he was one of the most talented freshmen at getting the FaceTime on places like Fox News, you know. I mean, I've never seen a freshman senator get that much FaceTime that quickly because of all this, the folksy little sayings that he would throw out and all that kind of stuff, entrenching little comments, etc. But I noticed lately he's not had as much airtime as before. Is it because that he's just kind of wearing out? (laughs) He's just that it's wearing sin, maybe?
2: I don't know. I mean, I, you know, maybe he's running out of things to say. Maybe he's getting, <laughs> uh, you know, frustrated that uh, he's got this reputation as a, you know, sort of corn philosopher on Capitol Hill uh, and, you know, and, and is trying to tone it down. Maybe the word got out to Fox News and some of the other ones that Mitch McConnell was not happy with John Kennedy oh, uh, you think. doing huh. that. And so he's been rolled over and now he's got to, you know, behave himself. <laughs> That's a possibility because, you know, those kinds of games go on up there. All and the McConnell is famous for abusing uh, his members.
1: All right. In such
2: a way. So it looks like that's a possibility. I don't
1: know. All right, looks like we've turned the corner in Louisiana, sort of, sort of. I'm, I'm I'm holding, I'm keeping my my powder dry. But do you think there's any hope in Washington DC without a Donald Trump in there? Just you know, breaking up the China. Uh,
2: I I, well, I I, (laughs) I question whether Trump can do the things that need to be done. I mean, I like that that place is such a rat hole and so utterly corrupt um, and so in need of a you know massive fumigation that uh, you know i hope trump is willing to be as radical as as needs to be because we our government i mean you know we have a first world country with a third world government right now Um, yeah it's true and it's and it's and it's a damn shame uh because the ruling class and i'm not just talking about you know, politicians and bureaucrats, I'm talking about, you know, the media elite and some of these other, uh, uh, you know, the the, the the political class in Washington, D.C., are, are a bunch of utterly loathsome, utterly corrupt, and tyrannical people. I watched this video clip, and I can't remember who the woman is, um, but I, this is from MSNBC, and she was over here talking about how... um uh how you know christian nationalists oh, yeah. in america are these yeah. crazy people that believe their rights come from god
1: yeah isn't that insane my my like, producer and i were talking I'm, about that
2: I, you know and i don't remember who this was that said and i'm like Lady, I know you went to good schools, or at least schools that have good reputations. You learned absolutely nothing nothing about American civics if you think that it's a Christian nationalist perspective that your rights come from God. Okay? That's the founding fathers of America who put it in the Declaration of Independence. And if you don't realize that, if you think that that's some cockamamie theory, uh, okay.
1: Uh, uh you know, like, uh, uh it's about that you know that uh, uh endowed by um wait who did, who endowed them? Oh oh yeah, that's right. Did they ever I, read it, that it, part oh, th- about endowed by their creator? And yet
2: this is like what MSNBC which is <laughs> pretty much about as regime media as you could get. This is what they put on television.
1: Oh, they're worse. They're, um, sick. they're sick. I want to talk to you when we come back, because we do have to take a break for the news. You still, you have a little time to do, because I want to talk about yes. your book, too, because your book relates to a lot of this, The Racism, Revenge, sure. and Ruin. But I also want to talk about uh, Catherine Herridge and that situation and what I don't know what she was thinking going over it. She's like, it's it's the same thing that happened to Cheryl Atkinson, maybe even worse. But anyway, we'll be right back with Scott McKay of The Hayride. And we got a lot to talk about, so don't go away. Lots more to talk about. We'll be right back.
0: All right,
1: welcome back. Final segment with our good friend Scott McKay of The Hayride. Scott, before we get into your your book, et cetera, um, you you had an article about uh, Richard Nelson. Being, you know, he's now the revenue secretary. He was running for governor, and you were talking about how he it was kind of a lukewarm, uh, talking about uh, the getting rid of the state income tax, et cetera. Do um, you see that happening?
2: Well, I, I think it's something that, I mean, when Nelson ran for governor, he ran on it. Uh, I think Jeff Landry ran for governor, he ran on it. I think a great deal of the legislature, I mean, certainly the uh, the 43 people that the Freedom Caucus pack endorsed right. uh, ran on uh, getting rid of the state income tax. In fact, that was a condition on which we uh, made our endorsements that you had to pledge to, to uh, to support getting rid of the income tax, I think that there's a consensus over there, or at least a majority over there willing to uh, vote for uh, getting rid of the state income tax. I think it requires leadership, uh, and we'll find out about this in a year, um, and I'm not here to tell you that you know that that the Landry administration is going to break the promise on the state income tax. You know, my critique was the answer Nelson gave to Jason or uh, uh, Jeremy Alford Alford, uh, in that podcast was, well, you know, I mean, (laughs) it's going to be hard because you got to really. No, 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 no. Don't say that. What you say is we're committed to getting rid of the state income tax. All of our neighbors have either gotten rid of it or are in the process of phasing it out. Mm -hmm. So we will, too. We have no choice. And the governor in Louisiana is very, very powerful. He's going to use all of his powers of persuasion to make this happen. Period. That's the way you say it. You say, we will get rid of the state income tax. You don't say, well, <laughs> we ran on that, but maybe yeah, we won't. Exactly. No. It's you don't not do re- that. Because particularly a year out, okay, um, yeah. you make that, the promise to the people, or you made it already, so you renew that promise at least until it's time that this thing absolutely can't happen. A year from now... You know, who knows? But for right now, you're going to stick to your campaign promises. And the fact that he, you know, maybe it was just sort of a style thing that he, he, uh, you know, he he didn't give a forceful statement just because. Um, I think you make forceful statements.
1: Well, because if, if you're going to have people line up and follow you. (laughs) you know, down that path. Yeah, you got to be really passionate about it and convince people. You really have to market the concept, because just like uh, on the closed primary, it was not marketed, there was not a consistent message, and I think that's what we're going to have to have. With something as big as this, I think they're going to have to have a passionate, consistent voice out there. Now, I want to talk about some of your books, because, you know, your, your latest book, it really made me, I'm thinking, when we have the president of El Salvador, lecturing us about fighting against globalism and fighting for our freedoms and the dark forces taking over our country. This is President Bukele of El Salvador who has made a a sea change in his country, and he's he's talking about all this, and I've thought about your latest book, Racism, Revenge, and Ruin. Uh, Scott, what prompted you to do this dive into Obama?
2: Well, I, you know, the big thing is a recognition that Joe Biden is not who runs the country. Yeah. Um, you know, and like practically every day with every new headline, you you see uh, evidence of that. And I mean, the stuff that's going on at the border is so obviously uh, evidence that somebody else is running the show. Because as, as unprincipled a politician as Joe Biden has always been... Uh you know, he would have he would have run screaming from this border debacle a long time ago to try to get this issue off the table in advance of the the, the uh twenty twenty four election cycle. And the fact that he hasn't and the fact that this is, you know, a consistently uh um you know intransigent administration on doing the things to close that border To migrants that needed to be done a long time ago, and that Donald Trump had done fairly effortlessly and successfully. Uh, It it just tells you, you know, somebody else is running the show, and that somebody's not all that invested in Joe Biden's political future.
1: Uh, Well, uh, it's pretty obvious Obama didn't like Joe.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a great deal of, I think, mutual disdain between the two. Um, And yet, you know like i mean there's plenty of mutual disdain between say george w bush and donald trump and yet you never hear bush say anything about trump you constantly hear the obama people uh talking down uh, to Biden mm-hmm. and and right. browbeating Biden, and then you hear you know sort of back and forth. You only get that with meddling by Obama, and the fact that all of Biden's people are Obama people uh, should tell you you know where you are. So anyway, you know Barack Obama is not a historical figure. He is uh, America's political present as well as its recent past. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the most imp- you know important consequential political figure in in America at a time when we have you know undergone a relatively catastrophic decline culturally, politically, and economically. Um, and so I felt like somebody needed to write... And there's been plenty of books written about Obama, but somebody needed to write a book contextualizing that guy's role in our national decline. I don't know how many uh, books really were written on that subject. And so Racism, Revenge, and Ruin is, is I think, maybe the definitive book to go through Uh, the the history of Obama, his background, how it informs, Mm -hmm. you know, the the effect that he's had on America, and sort of give folks a reset. Okay, this is where we are. It's not organic that we've gotten to this point. It was actually contrived and executed by this guy, Obama, who hasn't gone away. Um, And when you understand all that, you get a much better uh, ability to, to you know, plot a course for the future of the country. You know, Um, you
1: you said some really trenchant but absolutely true statements in promoting the book How Did the Greatest Nation on Earth Turn Into a Snake Pit of Bitterness and Acrimony and How Our Justice System Has Become a Blatant Instrument of Partisan Justice. When you wrote this, that was before all of this. uh, This was before the the deep state got into high gear against Trump.
2: Yes. And and I mean, so I I I I think it, when you read the book, you're going to find very little that doesn't immediately jump out at you as true.
1: And it clicks; it really does click. I mean, this this guy unleashed the hounds from hell on on so many levels. And somebody the other night, uh, I can't remember. Oh, was it Jason Chaffetz? You know, because all the debate is now: what are they going to do? because joe can't go on i mean he he just can't how are they going to get rid of him i think the her uh the release of the her report by the justice by by biden's justice department maybe they didn't want their fingerprints on getting rid of him so they let this her report come out saying that he's incompetent you know we would we would charge him but uh he's incompetent he can't participate in his own defense i mean really how damning is that so jason chaffetz said the other night he thinks everybody's Conjecturing who, and he said, "I think Obama is going to put the person that he trusts the most in there, and maybe in a last minute in the convention, convention or, or some kind of way." And everybody was waiting breathlessly. And he said, "Susan Rice."
2: And you yeah, know, yeah, I just I, I, I think that they <laughs> would like to do something like that, but I don't think Susan Rice is marketable. I don't for think the so either. People, and
1: I don't think Biden um, would stand for it, even in his diminished state. He's still a pretty well, and that's and that, and that's really man.
2: kind of the problem that you run into, which <laughs> is that. You know, the guy who's the president of the United States, uh, if he insists that he's competent to continue (laughs) doing the job um, and you don't actually run someone against him in the primaries, then, you know, you have put yourself in a position where it's really kind of hard to uh, to get rid of him. Yeah, Um,
1: yeah. There's no ejection seat in this one. I, I I do believe. I think you're absolutely right. And, Scott, we're going to have to wrap it up. But I'll tell you what. Sure. I, I want to read the book because I think you're you're hitting on all the key issues of, as to how we descended into this snake pit so quickly, so very quickly. And it's it's tragic because I think it, it couldn't have happened under Obama because in 2010 we took back the House and the Senate. What, he lost 63 House seats right after Obamacare was passed in 2010. So he was pretty much hamstring and he complained about it all the time. So Mm -hmm. this, once Biden got in there and had the House and the Senate and the White House, boy, this was Barack Obama 2.0 on steroids. And I think that's that's how it's happened. Racism, Revenge and Ruin. Great book by, it's all Obama. (laughs) Great book by Scott McKay. Scott, thanks for spending some time with us. I hope we can count on as these sessions progress, we can talk uh, more often in the future we really appreciate your expertise and your courage to speak the truth thank you
2: well thanks carol have a good weekend
1: you too bye-bye scott mckay the Bye. hayrod we'll be right back the book is racism revenge and ruin it's all obama we'll be right back It's got to be my favorite time of day. I get to talk to Tim, and we get to talk pizza and pasta and everything like no other at Dino's. Hey, Tim.
0: Hey, Carol, How are we doing today?
1: Oh, we're doing great. The weather is absolutely spectacular.
0: Oh, my goodness, is it? It Go, is amazing. It's going to be a what? great
1: weekend to eat pizza and pasta and all pizza, kind of pizza, good stuff. You come eat pizza on the patio? How about that? Yeah, that's right. And not only that, we got the Sunday brunches coming up. At Prejean's? Sunday, brunches. Yeah. Sunday,
0: yeah. Well, you know, what? we always say Sunday brunch, but you know we do it Saturday, too. So it's Saturday and Sunday. That brunch menu is available Saturday and Sunday.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, all right. Yeah,
0: see, I, 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 I'm flipping. I'm, I'm flipping in my... Uh, I well, go,
1: no, uh, I learned. I, I, should, I, yeah, I didn't ask the right it. question. Yeah, <laughs> we do 10 to 4 both days. Or 10.30 right. to 4, I'm sorry. Oh, and 30. all that great, great Prejean's food. My goodness. I mean, it really is... It is so emblematic of Louisiana. I think the whole community is so grateful that you rescued the original Prejeans and really put I it think. back into service again. I mean, it was, it was just
0: it was such a fun project. I'm ready is. for
1: another one. <laughs> oh gosh, here we go. All right, <laughs> you're gonna have another uh, another Dinos or another Prejeans or uh, uh, maybe something else. I don't know. Al Prejeans sure. River Ranch, right? <laughs> right. Well.
0: You know, Dino's almost in river. It is. <laughs> it really
1: is. So why not at Prejean's, too? Anyway, uh, but I digress. Okay. No, we got to talk about, okay, Sunday brunch, you're going to have the Misho brothers uh, on I 49 right. in Cairn Crow at Prejean's right, right. there. And now, what about, are you going to do that adult karaoke in Bruce So adult karaoke will start the
0: Sunday after Easter. So we weren't sure about the weather. We wanted to make sure we got it right. But. You know, who knew we were gonna have early spring, right? Who
1: knew? Yeah. Well so That's far, you know we, we keep our fingers yeah. crossed. We don't know but uh I don't right. I don't you think know, it's some these gonna... things
0: have to be planned in advance, you know. We're like I don't
1: know so yeah. See, I used to have pecan trees and they used to they used the old the old farmers always told us once the pecan trees right. bud, once they start right. budding. Then, then winter is over. But I, I'm not around right. any pecan trees lately. So. Well, I'm,
0: I'm actually parked underneath one. I pulled over the side of the road. So Did you check it I'm out? Talking, <laughs> yeah, I'm under a pecan tree and it, it's not budding. Uh oh. Okay, see? We're going
1: to so have a little more winter. All right. But yeah. anyway, this weekend, it's going to be warm and great and good food you know, all over. Right. All right. Yeah. Prejan's, two great locations. Dino's, three fabulous locations. Sure. And Tim, we thank you so much as usual. Have a great weekend, my friend.
0: Thank you,
1: Sher. You're the best. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Oh, yeah. It's just about time for us to shut it down. Get ready for the weekend. Yes. Uh, but there was something. Oh, yes. That's right. Uh, we, we have, I want to end on a positive note. We may have a shift in balance of power at the federal level because the Supreme Court may just be ready to scale back bureaucracy that has been killing us this chevron deference i'm going to talk more about it on monday because it's a big deal now there there's been in the t- times in the past where the supreme court has slapped down the epa on specific things like they overreached on the clean air and water act and all that kind of stuff but this one could have a really far reaching effect on the bureaucratic state that is constantly trying to exercise its power over the rest of us. So this could be really big. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll talk more about it next week. We hope you have. Oh, and Monday, we're going to be talking to Jeff Stewart, uh, director of uh, LUS, talking about the all the new proposals that are going in and looking at the retrofit or the uh, or the re re <laughs> reopening of the Bonam Four power plant and Everything that's going on there. So our utility system is uh, is really a, a gem for us. So we have to keep it strong. We'll be talking to Jeff Stewart Monday about all of that. In the meantime, we hope you have a fabulous weekend. Please drive safely. Love your family. Love your friends. Have a great time. Bye bye. Go Cajuns. Bye bye. <laughs>
0: Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. America.